I've been asked this question a million times over the years. What is the right pit for me? How do I know which one I should use? You know, I've talked to people all over the world and, and uh, consulted them based on personal preference all the way down to production in a restaurant and what they're gonna try to do with this pit. Through the years, I've developed this principle called the Apple Principle. Today, we're gonna talk about how to know which pit is right for you, what are the benefits and the advantages of different styles, and we're gonna define the Apple Principle. Stay tuned. Hey, you're listening to the Barbecue Culture Podcast. We're glad you're here. Yeah, so every single uh, day, it seems anymore, I get asked that question. It starts out with a phone call from a customer or someone on the on the forum or maybe someone on Facebook hitting me up on Messenger. And they say, man, I really want to build a pit or I want to buy a pit. I just really don't know which one to use. Um, so what we've done over the years is we've kind of looked at the style of barbecue in regions. What kind of pits do different people use for what application? And then we've built and operated darn near every one of these kinds of pits that we're going to go over today. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's one of those things where experience teaches us things. So whether you're in an environment where you have to keep production in mind, say a restaurant, a uh, uh, backyard situation, you know, we just want to have a good end product. That's really all we're after. Um, we're going to have guests over. So we want to be able to spend as much time as possible with our guests. But at the same time, these guys might want to get out there and geek out on the pit too. So we developed this thing we called the Apple Principle. And we'll cover what, what that means here after a while. It's an acronym. Everybody's got to have a cool acronym, you know. But, uh, you know, we use that principle uh, whenever we're talking to people about, you know, the kind of pit they want to build. And so most guys, when they're going to build a pit, they usually start out with whatever they have laying around. And it seems the easiest thing to get a hold of is typically like a propane tank or a piece of pipe or something like that. So, you know, generally we start there because it's economical. You know, they've, got, they've, they've already got some of the material. But say that, for instance, you didn't have any material to start with. You really don't have a lot of experience cooking on any one particular kind of pit. And you decided that you wanted to uh, just really get it right the first time. You know, I don't, I, first of all, there's a myth here that you have to build the pit that you want the first time. And that I don't believe in that at all. That's a myth. You know, the, the, the best thing in the world is to have a large selection to me. You can't have enough pits. The, the only problem there is, is getting enough time to run every single one, you know, uh, and keeping them clean and stuff like that. But I think collectively between Tom and I and Derek, I think we've got somewhere in the neighborhood of 27 pits around us. Um, I counted here a couple weeks ago and uh, I was like, oh man, I forgot we got that one. Oh shoot, we got that one over there too. It's kind of hilarious, but that's what happens, um, you know. So the first style of pit we're going to talk about is, is wood burning pits. We're going to divide these up by fuel source, 
a little bit. So that's the first category if you're taking notes. Wood pits. And in the wood pits category, we've got several here. The first one's going to be a traditional offset. Now that can be the one from the hardware store, or it could be the one from that you get from a pro builder, or that you build yourself out of a thousand gallon uh, propane tank. Um, offset, a traditional offset is just simply what it says it is. It's got a cook chamber, it's got a firebox and a smokestack. And the firebox is on, if you're facing the cook chamber doors, let's do it that way. The, the firebox would be on the left and the smokestack would be on the right. Any pit that's set up like that is what we would call a traditional offset. So they're all built differently. You know, you've got Jambo style, you got the Texas style, and everybody likes to say the Franklin style now. Is there one that's better than the other? No, they're, it just depends on the guy running it, quite honestly. And if it's built, if it's built right, it's a good pit. It just depends on if it's ratioed properly and if it's built right. And we'll go over that in another show, the ratios and stuff. What is the offset pit best used for? So if you're in a situation where you're cooking like a lot of different kinds of meat, let's say you're cooking chicken and ribs and brisket and pork all on the same cooker. And let's say that you've got uh, chicken you want to be a little you want to cook a little hotter, you know, in ribs, and you might want to go low and slow on your brisket. So the offset pit is best used in situations where you want a big variance in temperature difference across the pit. Now you'll hear these guys say that they have an, an offset and they keep a dead even cook chamber temp. Good for them. That's pretty difficult to achieve uh, on, a, on a really large uh, offset like that. I think uh, I defined it one time on a phone call to a customer. I just said, define even temps. I mean, what's, what's the result we're looking for? Are we looking for one degree variance across the pit or are we okay? Are we, is, is 20 degrees acceptable, you see? So anyway, uh, we just, just got to keep that in mind. So on an offset, when I'm using one, I want a huge temperature difference. I want like... 50 to 100 degrees across that pit so I can sear a brisket on one end and get down to the other end and low and slow. Reverse flow, self-explanatory. Everybody's heard that term. These are, this, they're built similar to an offset, but instead we move the smokestack to the firebox end and we have a baffle plate in there. These pits are designed to keep an even cook chamber temp left to right. Uh, that's, that's the, that's the major thing we're working on here. Um, now we've got another one here that you don't hear thrown around a lot. It's actually probably my favorite style of pit because of how, how flexible this thing is. We're going to call that a center feed. So the big bonus with a center feed is you get the, the reverse, you can do reverse flow. It's, it works best that way. We put a baffle plate in there. We still get dead even temps left to right in the cook chamber, but our firebox is dead center under the pit. And uh, we've got, we've designed pits as big as 16 foot and uh, 48 inches deep with, uh, with this method. And you still get that dead even cook chamber temp. The real bonus with it though is clearance. If you're, if you're in a tight spot and you need a really long cook chamber, then a center feed is probably the right way to go. 
Now, there's the old school brick and stone pits. Um, you know, I love the way they look. Um, I've never had the opportunity to cook on one. I look forward to that one day. But we were talking about like basically brick walls with some kind of a prop in the middle that holds up uh, cooking racks. And one end of this pit is just open. And uh, you've got some kind of stuff laying over the top of it, like tin, sheet metal, something like that to cover up over the, over the meat. And you literally control the temperature in that pit by how big your, your fuel is, how big your, your coal bed is. And those are just cool. That's, that's what the benefit is there, <laughs> is if you want to cook old school. Now, the, the final one we're going to talk about, and there's other styles, but the final one in wood pits that we consider a, a cooker, a, you know, something that we should consider up front is a vertical wood cooker. And we're going to specifically talk about like a Mixon style, Myron Mixon style pit. And, uh, you know, they've got a huge water trough in them. Uh, the fire is directly below. And these have one major application that I like them for. Um, is for cooking hogs. If you've seen our hog coffin, ours is designed to be a, a dry cooker, not a water cooker, but they're awesome for cooking for cooking hogs. A um, little bit, a little bit more maintenance. You got to make sure the water trough stays full, you know, and and uh, they do consume a lot more wood. So, so that's the uh, wood pits. Now we're going to talk about charcoal style pits. Um, first of all, our favorite charcoal pit, period, is the Ugly Drum Smoker. We've built thousands of these things. I'm not kidding. I mean thousands of them. And they're, they're good for everything that fits. That's the deal. It just has to fit in there. Um, so you're limited on space. If you're doing three pork butts and that's all you care about, glory be, that'll work fine. If, if you want to do like four you know, drums at a time, they're easy to run. So they're good for cooking comps, uh, backyard, everything that can fit in them. And then the biggest, the biggest bonus to these things is the labor it costs to run them. So I say costs. It's not really that it costs you labor, but it's, it's the maintenance time. How much, how much you got to go out and nurse it and work on it and fill it with fuel because you don't. It just You just start it up, operate it properly, and it runs itself. You don't need electronics. You don't need a fan. You, there's no reason for a fan on an ugly drum, period, other than if you want to micromanage your temps. That's it. So uh, the next style we're going to talk about is gravity feed. So if you wanted a production ugly drum, this is it. You don't need water in it. This is a it burns charcoal just like the like the ugly drum. It gets incredibly long burn times, and uh, you know so you'll find these used most often for grant for uh, competitions or catering. And the the biggest bonus to this style pit is the, is the labor saver and the capacity because you can build them as small or as large as you want. Um, they're they're insulated. They're fully insulated. And, uh, you know, it's got a hopper full of charcoal. Ours, our uh, plans, it's our biggest one holds up to almost 20 pounds of charcoal plus. And uh, true story, there's a guy in Mexico that uh, I've talked to a number of times. He's actually from Kansas City, but he went down to Mexico for some reason and opened up a taco stand. It's an amazing story. And uh, the dude built one of our gravity feed smokers. And no kidding, it did not shut off for two years. He kept it running the entire time, 
And he, he ran it so much over two years that it literally burned a hole in the burn chamber, which is half-inch thick plate. And he had to replace the charcoal chute. And it's still running today. Unbelievable. So gravity feeds are amazing. They cost more money for sure. Um, but they're going to save a ton of labor if you're, if you're in a restaurant situation and you want real, real fire, not gas. Um, anyway, the next style of pit we're going to talk about is kind of a love-hate relationship for me. You know, it's got its bonuses. I, I like it, but I hate cooking with water in a cook chamber. I just can't stand it. And uh, it's the vertical reverse flows. So it's not that the product doesn't turn out good on a vertical water cooker. That's not my beef. My beef is, is that the cleanup in that thing is so nasty and keeping the water tray full. Uh, we've made all kinds of contraptions to try to accomplish autofill. And, uh, you know, it, it's just a pain because what's going to happen is, is that if you add water to this to this water pan during the cook. And let's say that your water finally gets up to 212 degrees and then you add water to it, it's gonna cool the water tray down and now we gotta bring the whole cook chamber back up to temp and you wind up with fluctuations. And you don't have to add charcoal all the time, but you do gotta add water depending on the size of your water pan. Unless, like I say, you have some kind of an autofill. So, but those are most useful in catering situations and competitions. Um, the water in that pit, everybody wants it in there for moisture in the cook chamber, but honestly, it's really, it's real intended purpose is to be for a heat sink to help achieve even cook chamber temps. That's really what we're going for here. Um, and the final one we're going to talk about is a vertical water cooker. So this is one that's just got a giant water bath and we're going to try to run this thing with charcoal only. Um, not a good situation. Uh, you know, you've got to, you can put a huge charcoal mass in the bottom of that thing. The difference between a vertical reverse flow and just a plain old vertical water cooker is, uh, there's the, the, the flow just goes up around the water pan right into the cook chamber, a vertical reverse flow, which was the, the last one we talked about. We're going to have false walls inside that cook chamber where when our, when our products of combustion come up from the firebox area, it's directly below the cook chamber. It's gonna go straight to the top, and then the exhaust comes out low in the back wall of the cook chamber. That way, ever, all the draft has to, has to cycle down towards the water pan, and then it can exit the cook chamber. So we're getting a reverse flow vertically. Um, now there's all different hybrids between these models, and I love, I love the, the the creativity that goes into that. Um, you know, for instance, if we go back to wood pits uh, for a moment, we have what we call a hybrid is basically a reverse flow and an offset in the same cook chamber. So we have a smokestack at each end, and instead of having one solid baffle plate, the baffle plates cut up into tuning plates. And we move those around and we adjust smokestacks and things like that to achieve different cooking situations in, uh, for cook chamber temps and stuff. Um, and then you can do hybrids over gravity feed, reverse flows, and stuff like that on the charcoal side. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think Stumps and Myron Mixon both, I think, offer that uh, in their product line, and I think they're amazing. So have, not having the opportunity to have cooked on a, on a reverse flow gravity feed, it's something that I scratch my head about and would like to try. 
So here we go, guys. We're going to talk about the Apple principle. Okay. What is the Apple principle? So the Apple principle is what is right for me? How do I know? Okay. Well, we've got this little questionnaire and you just remember it by the word Apple. Number one, if you're taking notes, application. First off, you have to decide what am I going to use this for and how am I going to use it? So for instance, this is where you answer the question, am I going to use this in a restaurant or production application? Am I going to use this for catering? Am I going to use this for large family gatherings? Am I going to just cook in my backyard? Do I want to show off, right? What is the purpose? What is the application? So what use am I going to use this for? And how am I going to use it? Answer that first. That'll, that'll help you decide between charcoal or wood, especially because if, if you're going to use it for showing off, you might want to use it, uh, you know, you're probably going to want to cook with wood because there, there's a certain, uh, just just a cool atmosphere that's in, that's created when, when you're showing off for the public and when you got thin blue smoke rolling and you got wood you're throwing in there and they want to see fire and it's just this very, uh, you know, it's, it's just a cool experience for people. So that would be something to consider. The second thing on the list is product. That's where we get our pea in the apple, right? Product. What's the final result that we're looking for in our product? So if if we want a heavy bark, if we want to cook with butcher paper, if we want if we want to just have tender production pork, like for instance, in a restaurant situation, you're not going to find me out there mopping a pork butt or nursing it or spritzing it or anything like that. My biggest concern is I want to have a good better than average uh, production pork that can be consistently replicated for my customers. I'm not concerned with this pork butt being the best one that was ever cooked on the planet. So there's result. I'm looking for the best average I can cook. And it's kind of that way in competition. You want to make the best repeatable average barbecue that you can cook. Because if you have wild swings in, in... in uh, your end product, you're going to get wild scores, you know. So product is the second thing we have to consider. Um, Process is the next P. So am I going to cook hot and fast? Am I going to cook low and slow? Because some of these pits, I mean, they work better in that application. If you're going to cook hot and fast on a stick burner, you're going to have to nurse it a little bit more because if we're going to cook hotter, we're going to use more fuel right? And we're going to have to control our coal bed and that's going to affect our labor uh, as far as running the pit. So in a restaurant situation, that may not be right. You may want to uh, flip back and, and change up your process. Maybe you start on a gravity feed and finish on a stick burner. You know, there, there's no wrong answer. You just got to kind of figure out the process to know what's truly right for you. Um, labor. So if labor, if you're in your backyard, Labor to cook is not a problem. This is a hobby. This is fun. That's why you're trying to, this is why you want to do it. So, you know, the the more traditional pits aren't a bad idea in this situation. Um, You're not looking for production. You're not looking to create tons or pounds of meat in a given period of time. So um, labor, The the final one in the apple process is environment, number five. Where is this thing going to be used? 
So that might be a, a key in, in your design. Like if you're going to have this thing inside a building, right? Now there's people that do cook with wood and, and uh, wood-fired pits in buildings, right? But you have to have very special design considerations for, for your environment, especially if you're in city limits somewhere where there's codes and things like that, and they're going to run you ragged about it. Um, so environment has a huge part to, to play in that, in that decision. Um, you might decide that since you're going to be inside of a building, but you don't want gas in your, in your cooker. So you might decide to go with a gravity feed. Um, I've even seen restaurants that are running ugly drums inside the building, believe it or not. Um, I, I'm not really sure how that plays out with codes and stuff like that, but they are doing it. So, uh, you know, I would I would try to push you more towards the the gravity feed route in a inside of a building. Um, do you have room for a big stick burner outside? Are you going to be able to deal with this thing if you're in a restaurant situation? Are you going to be able to be under some kind of a shelter? Um, you know, to keep the rain off the thing while you're cooking um, things like that. So application, product, process, labor and environment, the Apple principle. Once we can answer these questions and, and we get a good feel for it, now we can start building a pit or picking out size, style, shape, all that stuff. So I hope that was helpful. Um, if you got any questions, I'd sure like to hear from you. If you go over to ask.thebbqculture.net, that's going to get you to a web application form where basically all it is is you're going to put your email address in there so I know who you are. And then you're going to answer a simple question that says, what's the biggest thing I struggle with when running my pit? And that's going to help us find content for this show. It's going to help us stay relevant to you. Um, and if you don't mind, while you're at it, give us a subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to. And it also would be appreciated for a review. That helps us know if we suck or not. <laughs> so anyway, follow at the BBQ Culture Podcast on Instagram. And uh, light a fire. Invite somebody to the barbecue culture. Convert somebody. We'll see you on the smoky side. <laughs>